Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosol, bring you the news and agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets. 13 First Alert Weather will look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the Farm Show on Wax 104.5. Another un-February-like day in our future for today is we're going to get close to 50 around Eau Claire, about 48 to high. And we're looking for 50s as you go farther south. Also, as you go farther south, better chance of getting more sunshine. A northern part of the state will be cloudy to partly cloudy conditions. And then getting farther south, we're going to see more sunshine today as we continue through February, 20th of February already. Boy, sunrise will be about uh, 6.59, almost 7 o'clock. So days are getting longer and it won't be long. We get into March, we'll go back into daylight saving time. So, uh, boy, oh boy, time goes fast, doesn't it? Not 50 today around here, but probably 50 tomorrow under mostly sunny skies. So not exactly a good ice fishing day or snowmobile day, but wow. Very un-February-like. Well, what's on tap for today? I'm uh, here. I'm Bob. I'm doing the chores alone. Jill is uh, going to be down at the Wisconsin Dells meeting of the Midwest Forage Council and the uh, custom operators and the manure applicators. She'll be down there today. She'll be back tomorrow and give us an update on what happened yesterday at the state capitol. Forty-some chapters of FFA members descended on the state capitol, and uh, they were there talking to their state legislators. <laughs> Better talk to them now because with the redistricting and the taking away the gerrymandered districts, some of those faces might not be there after uh, the next election. Some will be facing off against each other. As the lines being redrawn around Wisconsin, what effect it will have remains to be seen. But uh, anyway, they uh, made that a law. Governor signed it. The legislature passed it. So new districts in Wisconsin are the, uh, the way it will be in the future. And today, by the way, is Election Day. A lot of important local elections. I know up in Cumberland they have a big, big uh, referendum that uh, be voted on in many other areas as well. Polls will open at 7 o'clock, stay open until about 8 o'clock, so get out and vote. You can't blame the weather. Maybe, yeah, maybe you can. Maybe you say it's too nice a day to go to the polls, but I hope not. Get out and vote. Hopefully, I'll see you at the polls a little later on this morning if you vote in the same district here in Eau Claire that I vote in, but again, Get out and vote. Very, very important. That Outlook report from USDA came out last week. We'll take a look at that. They're not backing off. Corn's going to back off a little bit as far as acres, it looks like. And uh, soybeans will be up a little bit. We'll talk about that. Crops look like they're still forecasting the big crops out there, in spite of the weather, that uh, still some dry spots around, around this country. Farm Bill are starting to take a look at that again. Remember, they extended it for one year, but they want to get it done, at least on the House side. Uh, they want to get conversations started with a bill written sometime this spring, so they got something to bat around. They're starting to, uh, they're starting to already disagree on some issues, so we'll see how that goes forward. And uh, again, a busy week as we have all kinds of meetings going on. 
Also, if I can find it, I got all kinds of notes here for myself. Without Jill here, I got to be my own secretary. <laughs> she takes care of all the paperwork in the morning, knowing that uh, I'm not the best at that. But coming up, don't forget, June's not that far away. Feels almost like June now, doesn't it? But the dairy breakfasts and dairy brunches, we got to add that now because that is changing the game. So, again, the dairy breakfast, uh, if you got them scheduled, know the time and the dates and the location. Please send those along at waxbob at gmail.com. If you know the dates of your particular dairy breakfast or dairy event in your county, your town, I know Clark County has one every Sunday morning in every different town, but for the most part, it's just counties. I know not everybody has one anymore, and sometimes they change, like in Dunn County. I got a note from uh, Dave Pellet, who's very active over there, Dave and Tammy, in Dunn County with the Dunn County Dairy Promotion Committee, and they'll be changing their event after years and years and years of dairy breakfast. It's going to be a dairy brunch this year. And it'll be held at the Gilbertson Family Dairy. They'll host that on-the-farm brunch from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. And it's way at the end of the month this year, Saturday, June 29th. Boy, for years, Dunn County was one of the first. Now they're going to be one of the last. But it will be on June 29th. The Gilbertsons, of course, put in a whole bunch, I think five or six robots here in the last couple of years. So you'll get a chance to see the robots in action. But again, mark that on your calendar, June 29th, Saturday, for Dunn County. And it's a brunch from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. So I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, that's too early. I can't go to those things. <laughs> so again, get out and enjoy it. The dairy breakfast and dairy brunches. And again, if you got them scheduled, we would certainly appreciate sending that information along of when, where, and how it's all going to operate, what's going to be going on, waxbob at gmail.com. And more coming up as we uh, move along on what's going to be a very nice Tuesday here in Wisconsin. If you miss anything on the Wax Farm Report, catch the replay at 7.30 each morning on The Farm 95.9. Yesterday, of course, was President's Day, so many of the markets were closed, but uh, sold some livestock. Taking a look at those prices, choice-fed beef steers, $1.70 to $1.85. Mixed steers, $150 to $169. The heifer trade, choice, $170 to $182. Mixed at $134 to $169. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers, $150 to $181. Choice-fed Holstein steers, $148 to $155. Silage and select. We're we're selling from 114 to 147. The cow market, 80 to 104, topping 123. The bulls, 117 to 129. We'll get the hog and lamb trade as the week goes along. We'll get updates on those at the Merck. Last trade, we had higher prices on cattle and hogs. We've got April live cattle closing 187.55, up $1.95. June cattle, 182.82, that was up 95, and August at 181.57, up 105. Feeder cattle for March traded 392 higher, up at uh, 251.02 at the close. April up 332 at 253.55. May feeder cattle closed at 255.62, that was up 272. August at 266.97, up 102, and September 
up 77 at 268.45. Hogs were higher, taking a look at April. Price was 85.22, that was up 22. May at 88.85, that was actually unchanged. June at 97.75 was up a half a dollar. And July hogs, 98.62, that was also up a half a dollar. On the Board of Trade, of course, with President's Day, a little slowdown of the market. But uh, as we look, reopening after President's Day, but uh, probably a good thing to take a breath after a bearish USDA report last week. We uh, see the markets uh, need a little breather. And, of course, a lot of pressure from South America. Overnight now on the trade as it's reopened, March corn up two cents at 419. The oats down two at 381. March wheat down two cents at 558 overnight. But March soybeans 11 to 12 cents higher at 11.84 this morning. Soybean meal up $4.20 a ton at $349.80. Dairy markets continue to struggle as we had block cheese in the last trading day down a cent and a quarter at 148. Barrel cheese did go up five and a quarter at 160 and three quarters. So that relationship between barrels and blocks uh, still out of whack with the barrels priced higher than the blocks. Butter, and even though it, uh, the relationship isn't uh, what it used to be. Butter up two and a quarter at 275. Class three prices continue to struggle. February down a penny at 1617. March up four at 1684. April down four at 1709. May down three at 17.47, and June up three at 18.03. And uh, that's the way the markets look this morning, 11 minutes after 5 o'clock. Beautiful day in store for us. Partly cloudy, upper 40s, 50 tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about cheese on the show coming up. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Washington was busy last week. USDA economists held their annual outlook conference at the end of the week. They think we'll have a big corn crop and soybeans this year as well. For corn, expect a crop of just over 15 billion bushels. Yields 181 bushels an acre. 91 million acres planted of corn this year. Down a little bit from 2023. The report also shows higher corn usage this year as demand is expected to be up for food, seed, and industrial uses. Ethanol demand forecast to reach 5.4 billion bushels. Corn exports are also going higher this marketing year, up 50 million bushels to 2.15 billion, leaving ending stocks at just over 2.5 billion bushels. That's 360 more than during the last marketing year. So with all those things, we should see more demand, food, seed, industrial uses, ethanol, exports up. But that carryover is a real hangdog on these markets. With all the factors we just talked about, the season average corn price likely to be down 40 cents to 440 a bushel. Soybeans, 8% bigger crop this year is the forecast. 4.5 billion bushels, yields averaging 52 bushels an acre. Planted acres of soybeans expected to increase by over 4 million this spring, up to 87.5 million. The economists also predict both oil and meal demand will be up, while biodiesel demand also continues to grow. But large global soybean supplies, like down in Brazil, Argentina, are expected to affect prices, which are forecast to fall $1.45 a bushel this year to $11.20 a bushel. Cheese is a bright spot. A lot of states 
yeah, they've got dairy, but they're not in it. They just produce commodity cheeses. That's not what we put in the caves, the government caves. That's not what we do in Wisconsin. John Umhofer is the head of the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association. We had a chance to talk to John. Actually, it was this past summer when he was up at River Falls for the uh, ribbon cutting for the new dairy plant, the Wheatrick Family Grassland Dairy Plant that is uh, going to be in operation very soon over at UW River Falls. I talked to John about cheese and, and how different Wisconsin is is the kind of cheese we produce. We don't produce commodity cheeses, some, but not like other states. We are the state that is the specialty cheese maker in the United States, and it's been that way since... 18-something. Uh, it's always been the specialty cheeses back to the Swiss and Limburger Association of 1888. So that remains today. We make half of the specialty cheese in the United States, and that's why Wisconsin is not only, you know, here, but healthy and growing still. And we're talking, I mean, half the, over half the specialty cheeses, that's over 600 varieties. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. That, that's a documented fact, and there's even more than when they counted those a few years ago. And it's great to see some of those are sold around the world, the Bellavitanos and such that are uh, really, you can buy them everywhere from Europe to Japan. So that's our legacy. When you go to Europe and you talk to the Swiss or the uh, French and the Italians, they consider Wisconsin their equal. How much of a challenge is it? You mentioned some of the European countries. How much of a challenge now with this identification that we're facing? I know we've had the National Milk Producers fighting, Senator Baldwin's been fighting with FDA, but how, from your perspective with the cheesemakers, how concerning is it as far as Gouda, mozzarella, that we could be locked out? I mean, we've got codex standards, so what, what's the challenge here, and how do you look at it? It's an enormous challenge, and we are lucky. Uh, you're right, National Milk has formed the Consortium for Common Food Names. It's because the Europe is trying to claw back words like Gouda, Feta, Parmesan. They're trying to say those are our words and you can't use them. Even bologna. Even bologna, that's right. Those are being taken in, in trade agreements with, say, Ecuador. They're saying you're going to get Parmesan only from the EU, not from the United States. So we are fighting back, saying, like you said, in Codex, which is the international standard, Parmesan is recognized as a cheese made around the world. It's not just for the European Union. So it's an enormous fight. It's an important fight. And we, we have to fight it with every trade agreement that gets made because we cannot lose these markets and we can't have someone take them away because for the last 100 years, we've been making Parmesan in Wisconsin. It's not new. And as you mentioned, other parts of the world respect the quality that comes from the United States. Have we seen any fall-off in those specialty cheese sales because of the Europeans putting pressure? I know with Mexico, they signed an agreement with Mexico on those things. Have we seen much uh, fall-off and feedback? Luckily, some of the crucial markets, like you mentioned, Mexico, Canada, uh, Japan, we've got good agreements there to keep our... Parmesans and, and Gruyeres and such flowing. And uh, luckily, again, most of that is sold in the United States. But there will come a time when those trade agreements in South Korea, uh, South America, those will start to add up and we'll start to feel that pinch if we don't push back. So, so far, we haven't seen that hurt sales, but it's got the potential to. And again, that's John Umhofer with the Wisconsin Cheesemakers. And uh, we'll continue that conversation with John and future programs, but again, it's something that uh, really and truly is, is frustrating, and I, I know when I go on, on the tours, and it was in, when we were up uh, all over the world, you see different products in Canada, you see a lot of, I see Marika Gouda, I see other places from, other cheeses from around our part of the country 
that uh, are in uh, those places. I always ask, how do these sell? Oh, they see Wisconsin and they buy that cheese. So again, specialty cheese production, very important in Wisconsin and distribution. Getting it to the consumer is the, is the real challenge because uh, we make enough cheese, consumers want it, so let's get it out there and sell it. Coming up, we're going to hear about the Harvest Hosts. What's that all about? We'll do that next on Wax. Again, looking for a beautiful Tuesday. Should be upper 40s, and it'll be about 50 tomorrow. I don't know if that's a record, but uh, boy, it's getting close. Is it agritourism? Is it a bed and breakfast? Well, listen to the conversation and you'll find out. Uh, It is something that we found out about in the farm department a little while back. It is an opportunity for people that have a rural property, maybe a little spot on the farm, maybe an attraction that you think people enjoy, a natural feature, to invite guests in from literally all across North America to potentially enjoy Harvest Hosts is what it's called, and it is a brand new community that's building momentum across the United States. Joel Holland is the CEO of Harvest Hosts, and he joins us now. Thanks for taking the time, Joel. Let's talk a little bit about how this new community got started in your mind. When did you guys kind of come up with this? Yeah, so Harvest Hosts was actually inspired by a program in France called France Passion, um, they had started this program probably almost two decades ago. And the idea was connecting RVers with wineries. And these wineries wanted more business. The RVers wanted a really pretty place to spend the night. Uh, and, and the agreement was, you can stay here for free if you buy a couple bottles. Everybody wins. You know, bring that back to the U.S., RVing is a very large category. You know, there, by many estimates, almost 12 mil- million RV owners in the U.S., and, you know, campgrounds are fine. Um, Walmart parking lots are fine. But what's better than parking among the vines or at a farm, right? And so that was the whole concept with Harvest Host. Let's connect these millions of RVers with all these wonderful farms and farmers who are looking to, you know, sell more product so that everyone can win. So that was the very basic premise. And, and it's grown quite a bit over the years. We now have a quarter million members uh, and over 5,000 hosts in our program. Very interesting. Did you have a background in hospitality or a connection to agriculture? Why did this really seem to resonate with you, Joel? You know, it's it resonated it resonated with me as an RVer. So my background was actually in technology, and I had built a company uh, in the in the digital space. You know, a digital video company. My wife and I then hit the road after I was done with that company in an RV. And relatively spontaneously kind of went out and said, hey, let's go see what the country's all about. We've spent too many, you know, too many days on airplanes flying coast to coast. Let's go see what's in the heart. And RV is a great way to do that. We ended up loving it so much that we spent two years RVing through all the lower 48 states and trying to see everything. We just really wanted to see what every state had to offer. And along that way, got a little bit bored with your typical campground, right? Like they're utilitarian. And we're looking at all these beautiful vistas and farms and wineries and breweries and golf courses thinking, hey, wouldn't it be nice if we could stay there? We'd love to support the proprietors. We we love farm fresh produce. We love wine. Let's see if we can put two and two together. And and so Harvest Host was really the solution to that. Now, to make it a success, you had to have cooperators. How were those early cooperators approached? 
Um, you know, every great idea is still going to have some wrinkles along with the way. Take me back to 2010 when you had to bring this concept to somebody that was going to allow strangers onto their property. How did you get that jump started? Yeah, so I was lucky. <laughs> I learned a long time ago, it's better to do things you're good at and let others do the things that they're best at. And as my wife and I were traveling around, it was actually 2016 when we were doing this traveling around. And I thought, hey, what a novel concept. Let's get farms and wineries into a program and connect them with RVers. That's how I found this small program at the time called Harvest Hosts. And it had been started by Don and Kim Green in Prescott, Arizona. And they had essentially done exactly what I wanted to do, but they had a head start and they had 600 locations already in the program. So I reached out to them and said, hey, I love this concept. It is cool. Would you have any interest in selling it and retiring so that we can try to take it to the next level? So, you know, the short answer is Don and Kim did all the hard work at the beginning. And I don't know how they did it because to approach a proprietor and say, hey, we don't have a business yet, but one day there's going to be something here. Would you like to join? That's tough. When I took over 600 locations, I hired a team and I brought on a team to start recruiting. And they would reach out to farms and say, here's how it works. It costs nothing for you to join. We'll never charge you a dime to be in the program. Um, our members are going to support you when they visit. They're going to buy you know, an average of $50 per night in produce or whatever, agritourism, whatever you're selling. And it'll end up being an extra fifteen dollars to $20,000 in revenue for you every year. And we're not going to take any of that. So that was the pitch. And we really hired a team who did a good job of going out and getting to know the farmers. And one of the first ways we did that was through agritourism uh, bureaus and trade groups, state by state, and some of them are national. And we really started to try to be present in all of these knowledge-sharing areas that farmers were going. Wow. And like you said, uh, tremendous success. I want to walk through the pandemic and thoughts that came through your mind at the beginning when we didn't know a whole lot, and then as it cascaded through uh, over the years, uh, you were already kind of established, uh, like just getting the wheels rolling as any entrepreneur. You know, the beginning is always that frothy, fast time. Tell me what happened with Harvest Hosts and your team, your approach, once the pandemic became part of everybody's lives. That's right. So, yeah, we were chugging along. So I took over May 2018. We we really started hitting our stride in 2019. And it was awesome. We were adding hosts. We were adding tens of thousands of new members. We had really turned on advertising. We'd hired a large team. Um, and then the pandemic hit. So my original, my, my initial thoughts without cursing were, you know, oh, butternut squash. <laughs> like, here we go. Like, this is, this is the worst. Um, but you know, it's interesting, you know, and I think everybody across the country, probably around the world had the same thought at the same time. We don't know what's going to happen. This is really scary stuff. March, you know, 2020, everything shut down. We saw membership completely dry up. We saw people stop traveling because they were told to stay home. But then we realized that, you know, people love to travel and like travel is a super important part of life for most of us. And the safe way to get back to traveling is going to be by road, right? I knew it was going to take a while for airplanes, but I figured people are going to get back in those RVs and they're going to start traveling as soon as they're allowed to. And so we were ready. You know, in May, we launched a large advertising campaign basically saying RV travel is the way to safely, scenically uh, travel while supporting the local economy. And we, we, we spent millions advertising this way on Facebook and other places, and it worked. 
people were excited to get back on the road. And then they were really excited to get back to supporting these, you know, local businesses and establishments that are so much fun to visit. And again, that's Joel Holland, Harvest Hosts. And uh, yeah, speaking of traveling, our Wax Holiday Vacations uh, farm tour this coming summer out to the Grand Canyon, not the Grand Canyon, but uh, three national parks and some agriculture out that area. It's getting full. In fact, it might be full if you're thinking about going. Better do more than think. Get a hold of Holiday Vacations and get on that list because we'd sure like to have a come along with us. It's going to be a lot of fun out there. We'll visit cattle ranches and some of the other neat things that go on out in big sky country. But uh, get a hold of Holiday Vacations right away. We're going to get a hold of Rocky next over at Premier Livestock as we take a look at some of the uh, markets right here on a Tuesday morning. If you want more farm content throughout your day and great country and rock music, check out our station, The Farm 95.9. Well, let's get over to Premier Livestock in uh, with you and uh, excited. After last week and listening to all these guys give us the market numbers and the price of these calves, I can hardly wait to get back and ask Rocky, uh, are they still in the stratosphere, Rocky, after yesterday's yeah, sale? They're not quite as high as they were last week, Thursday, yep. but they are extremely high. Man, oh man, these are numbers that I've, you know, I've been doing this for 47 years now. Never heard of numbers like this. Have you? No. Well, well not, we're uh, approaching a bunch of new records. There's no doubt about that. I think we've already said a few, haven't we? Well, yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, tell us about it. How did they start Monday? Uh, thank you, Bob. Good morning, everyone. This is how Monday's livestock auction shaped up. We sold right at 1,300 head of livestock. Fed cattle traded strong to steady. Uh, high choice and prime Holstein fed steers, 150 to 162. Select and low choice, 140 to 149. Choice beef steers and heifers, up to $1.72. Market cows traded stronger. Uh, mini cows, 90 to 102. Those high yielding cows from 107 to 115. And we sold them heavy fed cows all the way from 116 to 128. Market bulls, high yielding from $1.05 to $1.26. Organic market cows sold every Monday and Tuesday, mostly 120 to 156. Uh, newborn Holstein bull calves, like I said, very strong yet. Uh, most of the Holstein calves from 350 to 590. Uh, like I say, tons and tons of five to $600 calves here. Uh, beef cross calves, mostly from 450 all the way up to $840. Uh, lots of seven $800 calves. Holstein heifer calves, 200 and down. Uh, today, Tuesday, that's going to be our special feeder cattle auction, bred beef cow auction. We're expecting six to 700 head of feeder cattle and right around 100 bred cows with two complete beef herd dispersals. Uh, feeder cattle sell at 10 o'clock a.m. Note the earlier start time on the feeder cattle. And we do start the sale with feeder cattle, and we follow with the bred beef cows. Uh, like I said, if you're bringing bred beef cows this morning, got to get them in by 8.30 to get them break check. Uh, we appreciate those cattle coming in the night before, before. We do not charge for feed, and they all get fed the night before. Then tomorrow, Wednesday, big dairy cattle auction. We're expecting over 300 head of dairy cattle. We have over 200 Holstein Parlor Freestall cows, really nice run of Springers, uh, full list advanced consignments on our website. You can see more detailed information on each group at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Questions, we're here all the time, guys. Give us a call. 
uh, 715-229-2500. Don't forget large farm machinery auction is going to be March 15th. Uh, we are going to have an advertising deadline. You have to have your equipment in by February 28th for the March 15th auction. So that's how things are shaping up, Bob. All right. Well, busy times out there and no mud holes out there in the parking lot either, are there? Yeah, no. Oh, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it is. Enjoy the nice warm weather. We'll talk to you in the morning. You too. Thank you. There he goes. That's Rocky. Rocky Olson over there. Premier Livestock in Withy. Well, what kind of a marketing day to get the cattle to market? Should be pretty nice. Oh, it's also election day. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And we go into the newsroom. Morgan McCarthy is with us this morning. Good morning, Morgan. Hey, good morning, Big Bob. This weather, I know you plant a garden. I'm not sure how big, but uh, you started planning for laying it out. Got all your seeds thought about at least? In theory. We have the seed catalogs coming in, of course. Got oh, the yeah. birdies well, and the burpees out. in the mailbox. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've been doing some plotting and some dreaming. We're uh, thinking about putting some flowers in this year, but they always look so much nicer in the pictures than they do once we get them in the ground. You <laughs> I know, know what the I mean? I got to ask you, how much help is Alex in the garden? I'll be honest. I'll give you credit. He's got the greener thumb than I do. Does he really? Yeah, he actually, yeah, uh, his mom passed it down to him. And while she was living with us, she showed us all the plots and how yeah, to yeah. do it. Yeah, so actually he's better at it than I am. Well, he good. likes to spend his time out there. But I think I'm going to start seeing hops grow soon. I think he has an ulterior motive. <laughs> do more <laughs> well, beer I'm hops than I'm that. I'm glad he's good at something. Some barley, some hops, and there start to lay it out that way. I'll garden. be out to help you harvest those. <laughs> that's right. The I'll, real finished product. That's, I have a feeling you could put the golden touch on those. <laughs> I think so. What's going on? Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. We're going to keep those Election Day headlines pretty close to home. And, of course, it is one across the state here in the Dairyland. Today is the primary for spring election, and that means you'll be out narrowing down a list of candidates for local offices. So things like school board, county board, village board, and, of course, quite a few local referendums on our ballots as well. Full details about those at 715newsroom.com, where you can vote your polling place and that kind of thing. A little bit away from polls opening here uh, that's 7 a.m. In other headlines on that note, the long court fight is over. It was pen to paper at the desk of Governor Evers yesterday for those new political maps with him signing new maps into law. Of course, those were maps that he drew, so we'll show you different sides so you can decide. The governor saying the new maps are a victory for the people. Across the ticket, Republicans approved the governor's maps as a least worst alternative to what may have come from the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Now these maps, those are the ones that will be used in this year's elections. In other headlines, we take it to the courts. A judge's pending leave could push the Lily Peters murder case back to next year in Chippewa County. Judge James Isaacson last week announced that he's taking a leave of absence, saying he does hope to be back in 8 to 10 weeks, but that obviously leaves a hole in the docket. Two judges now in the county, meaning there could be delays at the courthouse, and that may include the suspect's trial. A 15-year-old boy charged with killing 10-year-old Lily Peters in April of 2022 has been in jail ever since. We go behind the Capitol doors and in Madison, a busy day on deck. Both the State Assembly and State Senate are in session, meaning lawmakers are looking to kind of wrap up for the spring. So today's agenda is a full one. Looking in a little bit closer, the Senate will be voting on $2 billion tax cut package. That's from Republicans. And then the Assembly votes on a proposed constitutional amendment that would stop the government from raising taxes or fees on its own. Lawmakers are supposed to wrap it up and be done with their business for the year by Thursday. And home sweet home. Of course, if you've uh, gotten your hands dirty and put roots down, you know there's no place like it. And rural America seems to be getting some attention. For the first time in 10 years, rural populations have grown. 
Vilsack told lawmakers the rural employment rate returned to pre-pandemic levels, which was the lowest rate in 35 years. Rural poverty is down. And in fact, in 55 counties that historically were persistently poor are no longer in that category. Census data shows the rural population growth began during the coronavirus pandemic in 2020 and continues to this day. Reports suggest living in a small town or rural area is generally less expensive than living in a city because housing, food and other necessities tend to be cheaper. Rural areas are also usually quieter and less polluted than cities with a trade-off of possibly a longer commute, less urban options when shopping and infrastructure work may take longer to get finished. I'm Rebecca Hughes. And home sweet home. Dorothy was right. There's no place quite like it. And we get that dairy air up and going with Bob Bolsold in the barn. Your Midwest Farm Report is on Wax 104.5. Oh, that's good. Did you see that uh, Dunn County uh, Dairy Breakfast is now going to be a brunch? So you won't have to get up near as early to get there. I like that brunch idea. And they have the robotics going, too, yep, so we can yep. see those in action as well. Well, Although. yeah, they did. They put in, uh, you know, robotic milkers over there at Gilbertson's. I've been out and seen them there uh those are neat. They really are. They really are. My brother-in-law does it with the original robotics, though. My nieces. <laughs> Those are the ones down in the barn shoveling and helping out at oh. their dairy farm. Well, I hope she gets good popcorn for a, re- for a dessert. Auntie Momo doesn't give her good popcorn. You know what? Auntie Momo's not so good in the kitchen, but my sister is. You know what her rule is if you're sitting around her Norwegian table? You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> does she serve, Does she make lutefisk? She does not do lutefisk, but actually the tradition, my mom's the lefsa maker. Yeah, and she's I, good at it. She is. I'm hoping my sister picks it up because right over here we <laughs> skipped a generation. But I know what the paddle's for. I behave oh, myself right. during the that winter. That can happen. All right. <laughs> see you later. Yeah, bye, Bob. There goes Morgan in the newsroom this morning. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. We will get to markets, but uh, first of all, more on that report. This is uh, the Outlook report from USDA last week. was all-encompassing. That included livestock. Usually we focus on the crops, but livestock included continuing dry weather and high feed costs over the past couple of years are a major reason. Last week's Outlook conference is also calling for higher cattle and hog prices this year. Commercial beef production is forecast to be down another 3% this year with beef beef prices forecast to hit a record $180 a hundredweight for those top steers. That's up from last year's record prices of over $175 a hundred. Local sale barns, as uh, you've already heard from Rocky and you'll hear from uh, Jerry and others too, local sale barns also reporting record prices for calves last week as high as eight to $900 a head. Unbelievable. For hogs, in spite of the fact that pig numbers in production are both higher the price forecast calls for hogs to average $60 a hundred this year. That's up a dollar forty-one from 2023. And also the House Ag Committee heard testimony last week. Among the testifiers, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack regarding a new farm bill. And the hearing led to some differences, as you might expect, between Republicans and Democrats. Committee Chair Glenn Thompson of Pennsylvania said his side wants to move from the move money from the Inflation Reduction Act to increase the conservation baseline and to modify how USDA funds feeding programs like SNAP, the food stamp program, and others. Well, Democrats don't really like those ideas, but they're moving forward. They always do. Thompson said he hopes to still have a new farm bill written and ready for discussion sometime this spring. This is the Wax 104.5 Farm Report. And if you want more farm content, make sure you check out The Farm 95.9 at 11.50 a.m.
We will get to those markets from uh, the equity barns. We'll go to Sparta here in a moment and hear from Hutt. Then Jerry Fitzgerald will join us. But uh, some other things going on. Don't forget, going on right now, it's the uh, custom operators and nutrient management applicators down in uh, the Wisconsin Dells, down at Chula Vista. And uh, they're down there with the Forage Council, and that's going on. That's where Jill will be today, by the way, covering some of the activities and topics that are going on down there. That is uh, continuing today and tomorrow. Also, coming up on the 22nd, Chippewa County Dairy Promoters having their annual meeting. That'll be this Thursday at 1130, and that's at the Back 40 Dining and Cocktails. That'll be in Bloomer. Pizza will be provided courtesy of Compere Financial. Also, for the fourth annual Chippewa Valley Ag Conference put on by a Security Financial Bank will be happening this week, February 22nd, from 9.30 until 3.30 at Florian Gardens Conference Center. That's out uh, on the south end of Eau Claire, behind Ken Vance and Eau Claire Ford, out in that area. And uh, it's going to be a good one. Kim Bremer will be a kickoff, a conference uh, kickoff. And Kim is a nationally recognized speaker, but also a leader in women in agriculture. So she will be there to kick it off. Jacob Shapiro will also be there. How geopolitical developments are affecting the global economy and a lot of other top, top speakers. Now, there is a cost of $25, but again, it's worth the deadline was uh, last week, the 15th. But uh, try calling Security Financial Bank and talk to Becky Sealand, see if she can't squeeze you in. This is going to be a good one, and it's coming up again on Thursday, 9.30 to 3 at Florian Gardens. Security Financial Bank, their fourth annual Chippewa Valley Ag Conference, and they've got a good one scheduled. And we've also uh, got about 10 minutes before 6 o'clock. In uh, other farm news, don't forget, we've got uh, organic Advisory Council nominations due by March 8th. And also uh, coming up, we've got the uh, Ag Youth Council in Wisconsin. Get those in by March 15th. And uh, the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection accept nominations through March 29th for three seats on the Ginseng Board of Wisconsin. It's busy around Wisconsin. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Let's get to the equity barn reports as we head south to the Sparta barn. And Hud Eamon had a sale yesterday, and here's how it went. Bed cattle selling steady today with Eileen Choice Beef Sears and Heifers bringing 178 to 186. Choice and Select Beef Sears and Heifers 167 to 177. Beef and Dairy Cross Steers 160 to 175. High Yielding Choice Holstein Steers 157 to 164. Choice and Select Holstein Steers 146 to 156 with unfinished steers. Heifers and heavy steers a dollar to dollar forty five. Cow market steady. Quality beef slaughter cows up to a dollar twenty. Highly slaughter dairy cows one hundred five to one twenty. Cutters and utilities sixty four to one hundred four with low yielding and canner cows sixty three cents and down. Organic market today with the results from the February nineteenth sale with a steady to stronger market today with the high yielding slaughter organic cows bringing one thirty five to one sixty. Thin and small organic cows a dollar to dollar thirty four with the organic steers and heifers one forty to one sixty. Bull market steady. Most bulls bringing 103 to 118. The thin full bulls over 2,200 pounds discounted at dollar two and down. Calves sold by the pound today with a steady market with quality Holstein bull calves bringing 350 to 550. Quality Holstein heifer calves a dollar to 240. Quality beef bulls 550 to eight dollars. Quality beef heifers five to 750 with light import quality calves 10 cents to two dollars per pound. Just a reminder: our next sale will be Wednesday. 
February 21st, starting at 10 a.m. with fed cattle, followed by bulls, cows, and calves. This is Hut Amon at Equity Livestock in Sparta with this marketing update, and we thank you for your business. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, let's go talk to a busy guy over in central Wisconsin, Jerry Fitzgerald over there at the uh, Stratford Equity Barn. And uh, you got to get going. you got to run an election today, don't you? Uh, no, I do not have one in my municipality. Oh, you today, don't? So. Oh, so no. you are you got the day off. Well, not exactly. <laughs> a bunch of other stuff to do. <laughs> but there are elections around, so check them. Very important referendums and school boards and different things are happening. So, again, weather's not going to be a problem. Or it won't be a problem getting cattle to market. But uh, how did it go yesterday? I'm interested in those calf prices. Well, we'll tell you about it in just a couple of minutes here, Bob. Thank you, and a good morning to everyone. Summary from um, yesterday, Monday here at Equity Stratford. Uh, all markets continue to be on a steady to strong tone on the cow market yesterday. Now, these are conventional cows. We saw organics today. Uh, anyway, on the cow market yesterday, high-yielding fleshy Holstein and beef cows yesterday selling from 104 up to 123. Most of the cows we sold yesterday sold between 80 and 103. Thinner cows, like carcass cows, below 80. On the bull trade this week, better quality bulls opened up yesterday, mostly at 106 to 118. Lighter weight bulls, 105 and below. A light test on the fed cattle yesterday. We'll sell most of those tomorrow morning, so we'll update on those later on in the week. Now we get to the uh, calf market. Uh, calf market continues to be very, very strong. Good quality 9,230 pound Holstein bull calves yesterday, selling from 300 to 600, up to $630 on the Holstein calves. Heifer calves, uh, the last couple of weeks, a better demand on these Holstein heifer calves. Yesterday, one from 150 up to 350 on the heifer calves. These are Holsteins. Beef calves again continue to be in orbit here. Uh, good quality uh, beef calves selling mostly from 400 to 850, up to 870 dollars yesterday. So again, folks. Uh, Take some time with your calves because they're worth a lot of money. And anyway, uh, we got to move on because today, Tuesday, we start at 10 o'clock this morning with the hay and bedding auction. Again, folks, we do have, uh, if you're looking for round bales, the third and second and third, we got those. We also have a consignment of large squares of third. So that'll be at 10 o'clock. 11 o'clock today will be the dairy cattle auction, followed by the market auction. And as I mentioned, we do sell organic market cattle every Tuesday. That does include... Uh, along with the organic cows, organic steers and bulls, whatever you might have that's organic, and then we sell the conventional market cattle after that. Tomorrow, feeder cattle sale will be at 1230. Uh, we do have some uh, Holstein breeding bulls for that sale tomorrow, as well as a consignment, large consignment of some uh, black calves. They're, not, uh, they're still bulls yet, but they only weigh around 450-500. So that's some of the early consignments. Again, that feeder sale will be tomorrow at 1230. And, guess, uh, Bob, the Dan, we'll turn it back to you, getting... Four minutes to the hour already, so I know you're busy, so we'll send her back to you. All right, thanks, Jerry. Jerry Fitzgerald over there at the uh, Equi Stratford Barn. And markets brought to you by Ridgeland's uh, Synergy Co-op at Ridgeland. Markets reopening overnight. March corn up two cents at four nineteen. The oats down two at three eighty one. Wheat also down two at five fifty eight. March soybeans up eleven to twelve cents at eleven eighty four. Meal up four twenty a ton at three forty nine eighty. Country elevator prices today in Loyal. Corn 363, beans 1098, Arcadia 381 and 1104 on the beans. Chippewa Falls, corn 355, beans 1109, Connorsville, corn 355, 
Beans 11.05 on the DTN screen at Golden Plump. Corn's 3.84 today. Baldwin 3.57 at the corn. 11.04 on the beans. Durand and Fall Creek both have corn at 3.52. Beans 10.94. Mondovi corn 3.57. Soybeans 10.99. Elmwood 3.62 on the corn. 11.04 on the beans. Osseo 3.67 and 11.04. Out at Elk Mound, the corn's 3.62. Beans 11.09. Sparta 3.63 and 10.95. And over at Ellsworth, 349 on the corn, 1094 on the beans at the ethanol plants. Boyceville, Stanley, and Richmond all had the corn price at 374. Dairy markets reopening, barrel cheese at 160 and three quarters, blocks 148, butter at 275. The last we saw, class three, February down 11617, March up four at 1684, April down four at 1709, May at 1747, and June at 1803. Again, it should be a nice one today. Partly cloudy, 48 and 50 tomorrow. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. And the Chilson family of Ram dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.